Psalm 22, a Psalm of David. We invited him to come and share. He said, I've got several presentations that I do. And he said, I've got one on Paul's life and one on Saul and just different scenes. And, and I said, oh, I said, come and do the one on David. David's one of my favorite biblical characters. And so when I thought that I'm going to come and share a little bit, I said, um, what, what am I going to talk about? And, and just hearing the story and David's triumph and tragedy and all those things in between, I've chose to walk through Psalm 22 this morning uh, in, a, in a short message called How to Navigate the Dark. A little boy prayed and he said, Lord, please make Boulder the capital of Colorado. And his friend asked, why did you pray that? He said, because that's the answer I put on my exam. That's why. Now, obviously, that's probably not a prayer that God's uh, going to answer, right? He's not going to rearrange that. But there have been times. What about legitimate prayers? What about the times that you and I pray and our pour out our heart and God seems silent? What about the times when we pray feverly and, and God never, never answers, never responds? Praying feverly is also like praying fervently. They're kind of the same thing. Amen. I'm getting heckled on the front row by non-Christians. Well, what about those times when it seems our prayers are bouncing off the ceiling? What about those times of despair when God seems silent or God seems distant or God seems that he's totally ignoring us? Have you ever felt that way? When it seems that you're crying your heart and pouring your heart out to God, but God is simply not listening. Some writers have called this the dark night of the soul. One of my favorite counts of David is found here in Psalm 22. And it's painfully honest prayers and confessions that are found there in the Psalms. I love to read the times of triumph. I love to read the times of him hiding from Saul and all that took place there and that uh, exchange. It to, I, I love all those accounts. But my favorite testimonies and passages about David's life are the times in the Psalms when he's just honest before the Lord, just pouring out his heart. God, where are you? And God, what's happened here? And God, don't you hear me? And that honest conversation that, quite honestly, if we got real truthful about it, we don't pray like that. We don't talk to God like that. It seems irreverent, does it not? But let me tell you the one thing that God wants from you and I. God wants an honest relationship. God wants you to come and tell Him the truth because He already knows it. God wants to bring you to the place where you're totally authentic before the Lord and pouring out your heart. Now, unguarded, un, just unchained thoughts, just coming out before the Lord, broken, transparent, because that's the place that God can pour His grace in you. That's the place that God can transform you. And so Psalm 22, just a, a brief sermon here. I asked Kyle, we were planning for the service. I said, hey, how much time do I need? Are they going to hear me every week? And so this is a treat for them to come and hear this. And so how much time do I need? And, and you know, just ask Kyle that. And here's what Kyle said. He said, listen, he said, you're my boss, friend, mentor, and hero. He said, so however the Lord leads you is fine. But if he should lead you in about 12 to 15 minutes, I would be grateful. And so the next three minutes, I want to share with you from Psalm 22, four very quick and practical principles about how to walk through a dry spell in your spiritual life. Because hear me this morning, you're going to walk through some desert seasons in your spiritual life. You're going to experience some dark nights of the soul, as one writer put it. You're going to walk through those times where it seems prayer is pointless, despite your passionate pleas. I shared a few weeks ago that one of the most painful things in life is the pain of regret. I rank it right up there with stepping on a Lego. And if you have small children, you know exactly what I'm talking about, right? But let me tell you the other painful thing. It's to come to a place or a season of brokenness in your life. A dark night of the soul, a desert place in your spiritual journey. And to come before the Lord and pour out your heart 
And the only thing you hear is the echo of your own voice. So it seems. And so what do you do in those times? How do you walk through that? How do you get through that? You're going to have it. You're going to experience it. Other church fathers have written about it. What do you do in those places? Well, here in Psalm 22, David is in one of those places. There's certainly some prophetic elements about this passage and some things that as David lamented, it was the same things that Jesus would would walk through that experience as well. And so in walking through Psalm 22, David said, listen, I'm in a dark place. And this is how you navigate the dark when you come to that place in your spiritual journey. So Psalm 22, beginning of verse one, it says, my God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me and from the words of my groaning? Oh, my God, I cry in the daytime, but, but you do not hear. And the night season. And am not silent. You ever felt that way? God, you're not listening. God, I'm broken. God, I'm praying, but I'm not hearing any answers. And my experience is this, is that every Christian gets that place in their life. God, why haven't you healed me? God, why don't you bring back my wayward child? God, why did you take my spouse to heaven? God, why is it that that all people around us can have children, but, but we can't? God, why? And we feel like that and we don't know what to do when it comes to discouraging time in our lives. And Psalm 22 kind of gives us a guide of navigating through the dark. And so we're going to walk through this. And I'm just going to share with you four practical principles that when you walk through a dark time or a desert place in your spiritual life, or you enter a season as the dark night of the soul, what do you do in those times? Because they are going to come. Listen, it's not all butterflies and unicorns. Amen. We wish it was that way. We wish it was all roses and no thorns. But those are the times when you cry out and the only thing you hear back is the echo of your own prayers. And so what do you do in those times? And maybe you're in one of those seasons. Well, let me tell you four things this passage teaches. And David's women here teaches us out of Psalm 22 on how to navigate the dark. Number one is this. Very simply, tell God how you honestly feel. Tell God how you honestly feel. Listen, he already knows. The worst thing to do and the thing that will not cut it in those dark nights and those times of despair is cliches. Just rehearsing things that are empty cliches. Prayers filled with these and thou's to try and earn the, the ear of God. And those no, no, no. Listen, the one thing God wants is to come before him honestly broken. Frustrated. God, I'm angry at you. God, I'm disappointed in you. God, I've prayed and, and you've not answered. David says in the first verse, David says this. Look what he said there again. He said, why have you forsaken me? Well, let's just get honest this morning. You ever prayed like that? You saw that seems so irreverent. Like I'm afraid if that got that honest, that God would just strike me down right there, right? But Listen. The honesty of your heart is revealed in the language of your prayers. And so when you come to the place and say, God, I'm totally disappointed. Where are you? I cry in the daytime. But you don't hear. And in the night season, I'm not silent. That's not for a lack of asking. I'm frustrated. I'm disappointed. I'm broken here. And where are you, God? And tell God how you honestly feel. David's 
first petition, the psalm, verse 11, he said this. He said, be not far from me, for trouble is near, for there is none to help. Listen to how dark David's life had gotten at this point in time. He gives this figure of language. He said in verses 12 and 16, he said, my enemies have surrounded me like bulls and scavenger dogs. He said, they've torn at me like lions, verse 14. He says, my heart's melting, verse 14. He says, my bones are out of joint. He said, my strength is gone, verse 15. He said, my body is pierced, verse 16. He said, I'm so emaciated that my bones are exposed, verse 17. And the place that God brought David to or allowed David to come to was the place of brutal honesty where he was broken and authentic before the Lord. And hear me this morning. When your prayer life gets real, with real passion and real desire to hear from God, that's the place you experience real grace. When you come before the Lord and say, Lord, no one hears me. My enemies are around me. I've cried out in the daytime. I've cried out in the night. And there's not been a time that I've cried out. God has you in the place finally where you're broken before him, where you're solely leaning on him and his provision. All the props are gone. All the false securities are gone. All the things we use to hold ourselves up. And God says, finally, you're at the place where I can put you back together and you'll listen. Tell God honestly how you feel. One of the best ways to test your own soul is to gauge the honesty of the language of your prayer life. Number two principle we found in this passage is this. His journal about his past faithfulness. Call to mind his past faithfulness. Now, I'm just going to spend a minute here because I feel like this is something that I've said a lot lately. But every time I teach, I keep being reminded of this truth. Every time I walk through this passage, I couldn't help but realize that David did the exact same thing that we've been talking about. That when you go through those dark seasons, when you come to that place where you say, God, I've cried in the daytime. I've cried in the nighttime. God, my enemies are around me. Every bone is out of joint. God, my heart is melting. And you don't see any hope for the future, let alone provision in the present. Listen, the most important and practical thing you can do is to record his faithfulness in the past. And every time those emotions well up on you and you say there's no way out, there's no hope for the future. Then the only direction you can turn with integrity is to look back in the past and say, God, I don't see how you're going to make provision in the present. I don't see how your promises are true in the future. But I know, God, that you've been faithful in the past. And let me give a disclaimer. I, I said journal, but I'm not a journaler. And so some of you like before you exercise unrighteous judgment, right? Let me just remind you, David was not a journal. Moses was not a journal. Jesus didn't journal. Paul didn't journal. But there are times recorded in Scripture in all of their lives where they got into situations where God seemed not to hear their prayers, where God didn't respond to their brokenness, where the path wasn't clear and God's promises weren't sure. And what they do in those times, they look back at the Lord's faithfulness and they call those things the mind tangibly. So whether that's a journal, you getting alone with the Lord, you getting with a trusted friend, say, hey, listen, this is where I'm at. I'm in a dark place and I see no light at the end of the tunnel. And to have someone pull you away from that emotion and point you backwards and say, listen, I don't know the answer now. I certainly don't know how it's going to turn on the future. But here's what we both know. God has been faithful in the past. David said this in verse three. But you're holy enthroned in the praise of Israel. Listen, our fathers trusted you. They trusted and you delivered them. You know what he's doing? Now, it's obvious he's in a bad place, right? It's obvious from verses one and two that he's not in a happy place. It's obvious from verses one and two that he doesn't see this promising future, right? 
that God's giving me a future and a hope and all those verses we recite. He doesn't see those things. So what does David do in that time of despair? Verse four and five, he looks back and says, God, I don't see it in the present. I don't have hope in the future, but I know in the past. I know in the past what you've done. And God, when I can't see your hand, I'm going to trust your heart. And so look back at God's faithfulness. Verses 3 through 5, David, in his agony, focused on the Lord and his holiness. Let me tell you a good prayer to pray. When you come to that place and you're walking through the dark night of the soul. Look at verse 9. What does it say? But you are he who took me out of the womb. You made me trust while in my mother's breast I was cast upon you from birth from my mother's womb. You have been my God. You know what he's saying there? In other words, God, from the very beginning, you've took care of me. God, there's not a single, I don't, God, it's dark right now. I have no light at the end of the tunnel. But God, even going all the way back, God, you provided and you're going to do it again. I don't know what it looks like, but I'm trusting in the character of God. And so what's he do? Verses 1 and 2 is in a dark spot. What's he do? Verses 3 through 5, he looks back. And says, God, even the incest, you even took care of my parents and my grandparents and all those coming before me. In verses 9 and 10, he says, God, listen, from the very beginning, from the womb, you knit my parts together. You formed my inward parts. God, from the very beginning, you have cared for me. And although I can't see your hand, I will trust your heart, God, because of your past faithfulness to me. So call to mind God's past faithfulness. The third thing you should do when you come to a dark night of the soul is this. You should do the disciplines, even if they seem empty. Do the disciplines, even when they seem empty. Does anybody like me? Do you just hate that word discipline? Like, that's just an ugly word, right? But one of the marks of maturity is whether or not I'm willing to rehearse the spiritual disciplines when I don't feel like it. Am I willing to meditate on Scripture, even though I can't fight off these thoughts of anxiety? Am I willing to get alone in silence and solitude, even when all I want to do is find someone so I can gripe and complain? Am I willing to pray even when I feel there's no response? Am I willing to meditate on God's word when I'm still battling anxiety? Am I willing to memorize scripture despite struggling with anger? All these things. Listen, the mark of maturity is this. It's not how well your prayer life is going when God is blessing and answering and it's so tangible. Every time I pray, the King Midas touch, right? Every time I pray, God just shows up. Boom! No, the death of your relationship and your walk with Christ and your journey with God is this. It's when life is not going well. How faithful are you to do the disciplines even when you don't feel like it? David, despite this place of lament and this place of just torment and brokenness, still faithfully called on the Lord. Look at verse 19. It says, But you, O Lord, do not be far from me. O my strength, hasten to help me. Deliver me from the sword, my precious life, from the power of the dog. Save me from the lion's mouth and from the horns of the wild oxen. You have answered me. And I will declare your name to my brethren. And so David over and over says, God, don't be far off from me. God, help me. God, deliver me. God, rescue me. God, save me. So doing the disciplines, even if they seem empty. And here's the last principle is this. Praise Him, even if you don't feel like it. Praise Him, even if you don't feel like it. He says, is that just your opinion or is that, is that in the text here? Just walk through it with me. Verse 22, 
I will declare your name to my brethren in the midst of the assembly. I will praise you. Then David called on Israel. Verse 23, you who fear the Lord, praise him. You who are all the descendants of Jacob, glorify him and fear him. All you offspring of Israel. He has not despised nor bore the affliction of the afflicted. God called on the poor and rich to praise him. David did in verses 26 through 29. All the families of the earth praise him. Verse 27. Even the people who are not yet born. Verses 30 and 31. He said, praise him. Praise him. This week. Sometime this week. I celebrated 12 years in, in full-time ministry this week. And so some of you are doing the math right now, and so you recognize I started when I was 11 years old. And let me tell you something I've not figured out in 12 years. It's this. Why is it that when the people need to be exposed to the Word of God, encouraged by the people of God, and inhabit the praise of God the most, they attend the house of God the least? Have you noticed that? Well, I haven't seen you here in quite some time. Well, I've been going through a difficult place in my life and I just didn't want to come. Listen, the very thing you do need to be is to praise him even when you don't feel like it. It's to draw near to the Lord so he draw near to you, James 4, 8. That's why the psalmist said this, that in the presence of God there is fullness of joy. And the one thing you don't want to do the one thing that inside of you just pushes back and say, I don't feel like worshiping. I don't feel like there's anything I have to worth worshiping at this. My life is in shambles. It's broken. It's painful. I've, I'm empty. There's no overflow of my life. Listen, in spite of those things, praise him even when you don't feel like it. Let me tell you why it's so crucial to engage in worship, both personal and corporate, even when you don't feel like it. And we're almost done. In a storm at sea. Apparent disaster was ahead. And the son of author Robert Louis Stevenson was on board. And so he went to the captain's cabin and asked if something could be done about the bad situation. And just then the pilot turned and smiled. And Stevenson's son went back to the men and said, I have good news. What do you mean? They asked. He said, I've just seen the pilot's face. And that's enough. You know what worship really is? Coming to the presence of God. It's getting up close and getting a glimpse of the pilot's face. And recognizing no matter what's going on around me. I just saw the pilot's face. That's enough. Some of you this morning. Are right in the middle. Of a dark night of the soul. And do you know what you need to do? You need to get honest before the Lord. And cry. You say why is that? Because of verse 24. He has not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. And he has not hidden his face from him. It sure feels like it. But when he cried to him, he heard. He heard. And when you know that God hears, you don't have to ever again be afraid of the dark.
Let me invite you to bow your heads this morning, if you would.